Hello, hello. This is Kathy Colas Audiobooks, and today we have episode 10 of The Alpha by E.J. Fendorf. Maggie has an unpleasant run-in with her father. When she gets home, she makes a shattering discovery. Angel talks to the boys playing basketball on Eddie's street. Here we go. An hour after Maggie and the staff set up the bar, they detected a small gas leak in the storage room. Once used as a kitchen, the defunct deep fryer had been damaged while making extra room. While it was scary at first, the threat was minimal, like a pilot light had gone out. Despite being handled quickly by the gas company, they decided to shut the bar down for the night to do an inspection and have the gas clear. At least $400 in tips went down the tubes. Wayne had taken his client out to dinner and the grandparents were babysitting Amy. Maggie had a free night with nothing to do. Not wanting to be home alone, she made a detour to get her daughter. But an empty house was just a rationalization. Imagining what kind of punishment her father could be doling out on his granddaughter made her uneasy. She parked in the paver driveway of the large two-story Victorian and entered with her key, punching in an alarm code. The echo of her discarded shoes onto the marble floor bounced off the foyer's vaulted ceilings. Her thin, thankfully dry, breathable socks slid past the impressive Buddha statue on a pedestal as she peeked into the parlor. It was complete with a piano no one ever learned to play. Her father looked up from a book. Konnichiwa, Papa. What are you reading? He placed the novel down. Magumi, you're wearing that revealing shirt here? Did you finally quit tonight? Please, tell me you are finally putting your business degree to use. No, the word came out clipped. Because that's what it is, a job, not an honorable career. Really, Papa? I've only been here ten seconds. People who eat darkness. What? Your question. The book. True crime. It takes place in Tokyo. Oh, she brightened. Good? So far. It speaks of girls that work in the trade. His meaning was clear. She plodded forward a few steps. See, wasn't that a nice exchange? How else would you know how disappointed I am in your choices? He said as if a punchline. Choices? Plural? You mean Wayne, too. Her father returned to the book. It's obvious you do not need my approval. You never gave Wayne a chance. An honorable man would show me the proper respect. His fingers ran the length of a page. There was a gas leak at the bar. They sent us all home, so I came to get Amy. Oh, I see. It's about that, he stressed. If anything, I am a man of my word. I know you won't disrespect me by disciplining Amy. Wayne has a client dinner, and I don't want to be in the house alone. Where's Mama? In the kitchen, having horrible food. 
Unhealthy, you mean. Excuse me, Papa. Maggie entered the spacious, sparkling kitchen. Amy's legs were dangling off the island's dark counter with a hot dog next to her. She looked comfy in her Disney pajamas. If she were to fall, she'd probably be okay. But if she landed awkwardly? Her mama didn't seem concerned. Maggie could never have gotten away with that. Mommy! Amy's lips had ketchup on them. Hey, sweetheart. Maggie took a napkin and wiped her daughter's mouth. Not working? Small gas leak. Papa's in a mood, probably from seeing Wayne. Her mother rolled her eyes with nary a wrinkle. Your father spoke with one of his Los Angeles buddies earlier. They always tell him about their children and how successful they are. Children, you mean their sons? Not fair, sweetheart. He was raised in a world where women were second-class citizens. He didn't write his two girls off as many do. Oh, I guess me and Hanny are lucky. Hannah is marrying a nice man. Who Papa approves of. Well, at least he can be proud of her. Finish up, Amy. We're going home, okay? No arguments. Ah! Uh. Amy shoved the last bite in her mouth without another sound. Why don't you stay for a while? Have a dog. Her mother presented a bun. Maggie smiled upon seeing the joy on Amy's face. Why not? It might keep her mind off things. She settled in at the table. The three generations of women chatted and laughed. Maggie had forgiven her mother for allowing her father's punishments, never mentioning it again after a confrontation they had just before college. They both ended up a sobbing mess. Her papa came through once for a drink, giving each of his family a kiss on the cheek. Once Maggie had demolished a second hot dog, mother and daughter left for home. Amy fell right to sleep in the back seat. So much for company. Watching her daughter dream in any position or location was one of her greatest pleasures. Maggie summoned the last of her strength to carry the bundle inside, putting the little monster right to bed. Finally, relaxed with a glass of red, the quiet house felt nice. She could have left Amy with her parents, she supposed. However, the image of her father forcing Amy to hold her arms in the air until they burned with strain came to mind. A picture taken of her father and Angel was somewhere in the attic. Papa had liked Angel when she'd been invited over under the guise of friendship. They had talked easily, without any awkwardness. Maggie had fantasized about telling her papa about their real relationship, but she dared not. In the snapshot, Angel and Papa had their arms over each other's shoulders, with two glasses of whiskey in front of them. That old photograph was hidden well in a box collecting dust. She put the wine on the coffee table and went to the hallway, where a string held from a concealed attic entrance. It was just low enough to reach. She pulled down a folding ladder, causing the springs to make a racket as it descended. No movement came from Amy's room. She slept like a brick. She climbed the thin rungs until surfacing through the attic floor. Another pull on a chain from the rafters gave ample light. 
Most of the joists had planks for flooring, but gaping holes with exposed insulation needed to be respected. Despite being at night, sweat formed on her back. The people stuck in their attics during Katrina must have endured agony. A large chest caught her attention. It had been hidden under stacks of boxes with a recently disturbed pattern of dust. Wayne had always been the one to come up here to retrieve things, so she had forgotten what the space looked like. She cleaned the boxes and opened the lid on the trunk. Under the towels was a mason jar filled with something. She lifted it to the light. Two off-white orbs swirled like eggs. Then the circle of cloudy gray color came around. Every possible scenario delayed the inevitable reality. Were they animal eyes from a science class? Glass eyes? Large marbles? Old medical samples? She could see the equation in her head. Two plus two. However, her mind couldn't conceive the answer. The slamming of the front door caused her to drop the weighty jar onto the plywood with a solid thud. It didn't break. Her body didn't know what to do, or at least her mind didn't have the proper command to take action. She stared at the jar after it settled into a crevice. The rustling of springs at the attic's entrance finally forced her body to pivot. What are you doing, my love? Wayne's head and shoulders appeared in the attic entrance like a psychopath in a horror flick. Two squad cars acted as a roadblock at each end of Eddie Fellows Street. That group of basketball kids were on bikes circling nearby, waiting for a video moment. Red and blue flashing lights weren't unusual in this part of Kenner but they drew out the curious neighbors anyway. Angel's truck crawled past the roadblock toward the scene, parting the kids on bikes whose cells were up. She stopped a safe distance behind one of the squads. No press were on the scene yet. There wasn't a prelude anywhere, and none of the windows were bright. She exited the vehicle, backtracking to the kids. Hey, remember me from the other day? Turn off the video for a second. The boys all dropped their hands. Whether the video was still on was a guess. She continued. Any of you boys see the guy who lives here today? What he did? One boy asked, hunched over his handlebars. I bet he killed someone, his friend said. That why you keep coming here? The first boy raised his voice. Who he killed? Nobody ever goes in there. That dude is strange. Maybe he killed someone somewhere else, shit stain. Oh, the boy nodded. Never had any visitors? Angel asked. No women? The leader shook his head. That dude has a girlfriend. She never comes here. Sometimes I see him come and go. Never see anyone else. Thanks, guys. While waiting for SWAT, Angel briefed the responding officers on the lawn. They had searched for an alternate entrance, but the residence was locked up tight. She wondered how Kyle was doing with their most important piece of evidence yet. As soon as Angel returned to the street, 
the black armored SWAT vehicle was allowed a path before pulling into the driveway. The group of kids cheered in the distance. This was Tactical Team One. Six figures in flak jackets and helmets jumped from the rear. Each man and one woman were thick-bodied and moved with purpose. They had arrived so fast that Angel figured they trained for immediate eventualities. She found the leader named Hutch to introduce herself. What's the plan? Hutch assessed the scene while speaking. We cut the power. We secure the perimeter. Go in through the front door. Clear the premises. You take over from there. His eyes finally met Angel's. Sounds good, but there is a server room in there that has computers with very sensitive stuff. It's probably on backup battery when the power goes out. We can't destroy them. If my team has to discharge their weapons, they won't hesitate. Any collateral damage will be acceptable in this operation. Understood. The server room is the one with the keypad. The door is reinforced and locked. He nodded. Could be used as a panic room, too. We'll take care of that room last. I'll call out when clear. Hutch shot hand signals to the team, and they each took positions as if they had been using this house in their drills. A large man with a battering ram stepped up to the sturdy door. One swing damaged the sweet spot, but a second swing was needed to send it flying open. With a clear entrance, the team shuffled inside like a closing zipper, with their weapons hoisted at their shoulder. It took less than a minute to clear the small house, allowing the task force to enter. Angel added herself to the end of the queue. As Hutch promised, the server room was last. Hutch stood to the side, but banged on the door, giving anyone inside a chance to open it. He put his ear against the surface with a scowl. His head shook. Despite the power shutdown, the keypad's interface was battery-operated. Angel punched in the same psycho numbers and was gifted a red warning light. He changed the code. Bust it? Hutch asked. It may trigger a meltdown with the computers inside. We don't want that, but we also think fellows can do it remotely, which means we're time-sensitive. And a woman's life is on the line. She looked between him and the door. Do it. Hutch summoned the man with the battering ram. Let's get our money's worth with Big Betsy. Angel drifted back to the living room to call Kyle on a landline phone Fellows had on an end table. Luckily, she had a mind for numbers. She put the yellow phone receiver to her ear as she watched the guy take a stance with the ram that had a woman's name. Hey, I'm on Fellows' phone because I don't have mine. We're here. Fellows didn't come back. We're about to go in the server room. Well, I've got some bad news, he said. The laptop was rigged. Rigged? How? It had a motion sensor on it. As soon as they got it into the hallway, the hard drive started wiping itself, and no one knew. They're going through it, though, but it doesn't look good. Bastard! I know. What's happening over there? SWAT cut the power to the house, but there's a battery backup on the keypad. This guy's good. They're about to bust in. Any reservations? Angel pivoted to peer out the front window and saw a white SUV coasting to the curb. Now I'm wondering if we should ask Stuart. 
He's en route, he offered. Well, considering the self-destruct on this Mac, his server is probably sensitive to any seismic activity, like the rattling of walls when a door is flattened. Could that Mac be his backup for this server? Kyle exhaled through the speaker. There was nothing obvious when Stuart went in the first time, right? Anything that could get destroyed on that server would be backed up somewhere. I agree. SWAT's about to... Angel's voice trailed. He said we'd all regret it. What? Angel, what did you say? Give me a second. You don't want to get it wrong three times. Her head swiveled to the hallway, where she watched the Black Hawk Ram swing backward with momentum. An indescribable premonition passed through her. As if in slow motion, the ram started forward. Wait! Angel called out with volume as Big Betsy made contact. A massive explosion, seemingly from the door itself, catapulted the SWAT member between the studs of an adjacent wall. Angel fell to the ground in a disorienting silence. Physical and mental uncertainty surrounded her. It was the second time she had ever felt entirely incapacitated and vulnerable. Being staked to the ground and shot at in her hometown of Lemon Twig was the first. She squinted through the carnage toward the blast, unable to coordinate her thoughts. The hallway was no longer recognizable. Charred debris lay piled in the hallway. Smoke spread and a tiny fire burned under the damage. A shrill ringing filled Angel's head. She tried to get up, but her body wouldn't cooperate. When she finally used the furniture to get balance, Ramsey was under her arm, helping her walk outside. His mouth was moving, but she couldn't hear a damn thing. And there you have it. Don't forget to join me on Monday for episode 11 of The Alpha by E.J. Findorf. To check out more of my work, go to my website at kathycolas.com. That's C-A-T-H-I-C-O-L-A-S dot com. If you're an author looking to turn your book into an audiobook, email me at kathycolas at gmail.com. Let's talk. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review or share it on social media. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you on Monday.